So good. So good, so good. Hallelujah. I want to mention to, um, I think I meant to do, mention this last week. And uh, uh, just was, ended up being a full Sunday and I, and I missed it. But um, Don Gallen has been uh, not with us last Sunday and this Sunday. And the reason he's been not with us is that he's been on a team with uh, a gentleman named uh, Claude Tremblay. Thank you. Claude Tremblay from somewhere in Quebec. Not sure where. Um, he, Claude was here the summer before the COVID thing happened. So 2019, I guess. He was here traveling through. And uh, he has on his heart to get to every door in every First Nations community across Canada with the gospel. He's got um, uh, indigenous-oriented New Testaments that, he, that um, he got his hands on, and he's dropping those off at every home in every First Nations community across Canada. And we have some of those New Testaments, if anyone uh, knows someone and wants to get that in their hands. But, um, yeah, so I, I think he's maybe already back, I'm not sure, but God's outside of time, and so we're going to pray for the, the fruit of what was done over the last couple of weeks. They went down into uh, Nova Scotia and went to um, 16 First Nations communities in Nova Scotia and southern New Brunswick in 11 days. And uh, so we just want to pray. We just want to pause and pray for the fruit to come from those uh, those opportunities. So Father, we just uh, thank you for this team. We thank you for Claude and his vision. We thank you for um, for Don and uh, partnering with them. And, and God, we got to send him out as a missionary from here to go be a part of that endeavor. God, you, you know the heavy burden that is on the, the, uh, the indigenous peoples of our nation. God, the, the challenges that they have faced and the difficulties that, that we as Westerners have put in front of them for the gospel, the barriers to the gospel that we have created. But God, I thank you for this team and for that vision. And God, I pray for every, not just in the last two weeks, but every New Testament that has gone out, every conversation that has happened, and everyone that will happen in the days to come. We pray for fruit, Father. That God, your gospel would take root in hearts. And that we would see the hope of Jesus come again to our First Nations people. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. God, we pray that you'd speak to us today. Just open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, today is uh, part two in our series that we started last week um, called Bottomless Cup. 
talking about the principles uh, from Scripture, but uh, from, from the book I wrote about three years ago now, published about three years ago, called Bottomless Cup. And when we finish, when we finish this four-part series, we plan to do another, a second four-part series this fall on what the Bible says about our, our future, the future of the world, okay? Uh, it's called Future Proof Your Life. Um, now, there are, some, there are some writers and preachers who suggest that Jesus is coming today, September 25th, 2022, today. Um, today is the beginning of the Jewish festival called Rosh Hashanah, which kicks off the Jewish New Year. And, uh, and there's a special moment in the, um, every 50 years, Rosh Hashanah kicks off the year of Jubilee. Now, the year of Jubilee is not technically celebrated right now in this time in history. It's not celebrated by the Jewish people regularly. Um, so no one's quite sure when it falls, but m most people uh, that, that study these things would say that, that this is the year. This is, this is the year of Jubilee. So that's cool, right? Today is Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the year of Jubilee. And there are, yeah, that's, that's a whole other sermon we don't have time for today, but that's, that's exciting. We'll, we'll, may, we'll somewhere in the next few months, we'll find somewhere to talk about the year of Jubilee. But, um, but there are those who say that, that the trumpet that is sounded, there's a special trumpet sound that happens on Rosh Hashanah to kick off the year of Jubilee. And there are those who say that that trumpet sound is the trumpet that we find in the New Testament when it says the trump will sound and Christ will come and call the church out of the world. It would be nice. It would be nice. I'm not opposed to that. I can, I can give you all, because Scripture says over and over, Jesus himself said, and Scripture says over and over, that, we, that Jesus will come like a thief in the night, that we will not know the, the day or the hour of his coming. So because of that, I, will all, I can almost give you, I'd say, about a 95% guarantee that he won't come today if people are expecting him, but he might come tomorrow, right? And, and I would be thrilled if I had to eat my words and he did come today because I am ready for him to come, right? Right? So we want to get into some of this this fall. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into this a bit uh, in a few a couple weeks, if we're all still here. We're gonna dive into this, and uh, and talk about uh, future proofing our lives and being as ready as we can be for the trumpet to sound. Amen. Amen. So last week. As we started our series, we introduced the subject of, uh, of Bottomless Cup, 
It's based on the passage of, uh, from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So last week we talked about the very first phrase there, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Today we're going to talk about, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What is your first response in hearing Jesus say, I will give you rest? Right? I mean, maybe it's, wow, that's awesome. Maybe it's, it's about time. <laughs> maybe it's, yeah, sure, I've heard that before. Right? Let's, let's just all be honest. Like, we may have different responses to hearing Jesus say, I will give you rest. I think the, the awareness of our need for a deeper kind of rest is, is universal. It's why Jesus needs to make this offer to lost and scattered people that he's talking to in that moment. If already in the first century, when Jesus says these words, people were in desperate need of rest, do you think it's gotten better or worse? <laughs> right? Has it gotten better or worse? In the 1700s, novelist Lawrence Stern wrote these words, men tire themselves in pursuit of rest. And I'm sure he was quite aware of the irony of his words, that we're often in a hectic and desperate search for a life that is free from the strain and weariness of a hectic and desperate pace. In the 1950s, as the world was recovering from the terrors of World War II, and the innovations of technology that happened in the wartime effort began to be applied to domestic life, the regular message of the commercial advertising industry of the time was that modern inventions were going to take all the difficulty and all the busyness out of our modern, out of our life in the future. And, and it was going to become a life of ease and simplicity. Right? Indoor toilets, automatic washing machines, Electric ovens, electric toasters, refrigerators, vacuum cleaners, eventually dishwashing machines and microwave ovens. All of them came with promises of this is going to make everyone's life so much simpler and easier. And we're going to live a life of ease. Now, none of us would want to trade these things in. Anybody want to trade in your indoor toilet? Don't think so, right? We don't want to trade these things in. But have our lives become restful because of these things coming into our homes? 
And then computers and the internet and smartphones all come with the promise. I mean, do you remember when, when computers started becoming everywhere in business and they said, we're going we're gonna to get rid of paper. There won't be any paper anymore. And if anything, it's multiplied the paper that we use, right? I mean, all these promises that these things would... I'm not anti-technology, of course, but, but I do think we need to recognize that our solution to the restlessness in our hearts will never be solved with a new invention. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So when Jesus made this invitation and this promise, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What, what was he talking about? There's, there's two things. I think there's probably many more, but there's two things I want us to talk about today that I think Jesus meant specifically as he talked to the people that were in front of him and I think it applies to us today as well. And I think the first of those things is rest from religion. Tell them I'm busy. Um, when we see Jesus' ministry in the Gospels contrasted with the, the other rabbis and religious leaders that we see, there was a stark difference, wasn't there? Stark difference. Not only can we see that looking back from our vantage point in history, but it was very evident to everybody that was there as it was happening. In Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. Now the tax collectors... And sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. These are unlikely. It's an unlikely audience in that day for a religious gathering, for a, for a church meeting. Incredibly unlikely. Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And the Pharisees had worked hard for years, all their lives, poured everything that they had into building big ministries. They'd used, they, they'd had had to use guilt and manipulation to get people to come to their meetings. And even then, it was the hardcore religious types that came. Those other people never showed up. And yet, here's this upstart rabbi holding outdoor meetings and thousands of people, massive crowds, are following him and coming to his meetings. 
people that they would never see darken the door of their synagogues. They were jealous. They were angry. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, near the beginning, just the beginning, Jesus was just getting started, near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, after one of these confrontations, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians, the political powers, how they might kill Jesus. They were ticked. And here in Luke 15, as these people are coming to Jesus' meeting and they're muttering, they had to be saying to themselves, asking themselves, what does he have that we don't have? Right? What does he have that we don't have? The answer is rest. Is rest. When people came to Jesus, they didn't get another list of hoops to jump through. They didn't get an interrogation of how well they were keeping the law. But they got an invitation to forgiveness and the love of the Father and a do-over on life that they never thought they could have. They came to Jesus and they felt like they were coming home to a place of freedom and safety, not to another prison. Is, there, is it any wonder that people flocked to Jesus? Just the response of the Pharisees in this passage in Luke chapter 15 tells us so much. When they saw broken, hurting people, they blamed them, they got angry, and they called them names. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That word, sinners, spat out in disgust, was a word that literally means those who don't measure up. Deep judgment in their voice as they speak those words. But we read that when Jesus saw the same people, in Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He was not moved to anger, he was moved to compassion. His response was not to push them away, but to invite them close.
And in Luke 15, when Jesus saw the Pharisees' jealous grumbling, he explained to them that their attitude was a contradiction to the heart of the Father. And he did so by telling three stories. We don't have time to get into the nitty-gritty of the stories, but he told three stories. The story of the lost sheep. The story of the lost coin. And the story of the two sons. We often call this story the story of the prodigal son. Because we often misread it by thinking that Jesus is talking about somebody who runs away from the father, runs away from God, gets into a mess, and finally that, that rotten sinner comes to his senses and he comes home and, and he finds forgiveness and all is better. End of story. That wasn't Jesus' point in telling that story at all. But Jesus' attention in that story is on the Pharisees. It's on the older brother. How do you, as a person of faith, respond when somebody runs away from the Father? And how do you, as a person of faith, respond when they come back and find grace? That was Jesus' focus in that third story. In fact, it was his focus in all three of the stories because what happens when the, the lost sheep is found but a party is thrown? What happens when the, when the lost coin is found? A party is thrown and all of heaven celebrates. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, when you get angry and judge and call people names, you are completely missing the heart of the Father who goes looking for the lost and brings them home and throws a party because they've been found. Many of us have been so programmed throughout our lives by religious environments that we find it hard not to think of God demanding that we keep all His laws before He loves us and accepts us. We feel those demands on us and we put them on others. Many of the people Jesus was speaking to when He said, come to me and I will give you rest, needed rest from the weariness of trying to keep up with the religious treadmill. Never feeling they were enough or did enough to be accepted or loved by God or His people. We're going to talk a lot more about this in a couple weeks. But for now, we need to know that this is exactly the issue that Jesus had with the religion of his day. They had missed the point. 
some of us often miss the point too. I would suggest all of us sometimes miss the point. Because I don't want to point fingers at religious people any more than I want to point fingers at sinners. Because our job is not to point our fingers. But it's to echo the call of Jesus for people to come to Him. To turn from our religion, to turn from our sin, and to find our rest in Him. The law was never given so that we could crawl our way back to God by chalking up brownie points. That was never the point. Romans 3 verse 20 says, Therefore, no one, let's say no one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. It's not how we get there. That was never the point or the purpose. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, Paul says. The law is there so that we all know we need a Savior. If there's any doubt, if there's any question, we all need a Savior. We all need to hear Jesus say, come to me and I will give you rest. If Jesus were to show up today in person, in the flesh, and walk among us, oh yeah, it would be great. We think it would be great. But, I think that he would be more upset with religious people who make others feel like outsiders than he would with lost people who know they need help. That's worth saying again. I think Jesus would be more upset with religious people who make others feel like outsiders than he would with lost people who know they need help. So I believe Jesus was calling us to come and receive rest from religion. Secondly, rest from the pressures of life. I think the second group of people Jesus was talking to when he said, come to me and I will give you rest are people who were just beat up by life. The pressures and the troubles and the stuff that they had experienced on their journey. Life is hard. It's hard. And we might point at some people and say, oh, they've got it easy. You have no idea what's going on on the inside of them. Life is hard. 
Now, I don't know what people do who don't have faith when they're navigating the storms of this life. One of the reasons that addiction rates and rates of mental health diagnoses and suicide rates and rates of mass murder and violent crime, all that stuff is climbing is because people just don't have the capacity to deal with the stress and the pressures of life in themselves. It was true in Jesus' day, and it is true today. But Jesus calls out to the stressed out and the dragged out and the strung out, come to me. Listen to the description of the Messiah given by the prophet Isaiah that Matthew quotes in his gospel describing Jesus. It says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. It's in Matthew. I didn't write it down, sorry. Um, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What does that mean? A bruised reed is bent over and near the breaking point. And a smoldering wick has no flame left. And its light has almost gone out. It has no resources to keep going. And this passage tells us that when Jesus encounters someone like this, he doesn't say to the bruised reed, stand up, come on, what's the matter with you? And he doesn't say to the smoldering wick, where's your light? You a dimwit or what? Get it together. But no, he comes with gentle grace to the one at the end of their rope. The one who doesn't think they can hang on for one more day. And he says, it's okay, my beloved. You're in safe hands now. Come to me. The struggle is over. I've got you. Yeah. Does coming to Jesus suddenly change all your circumstances? No. We need to be careful about telling people, if you, if you just say this prayer, Jesus will make your life, you know, just fix everything. Because that's not... What happens, but 
When we come to Christ, many things do change. Many things in our circumstances do shift. But what's more important is we, when we come to Him and find our rest and our peace in Him, we no longer need to fear no matter what we face. We now have a heavenly Father. We now have a provider who has our back. We now have a protector. We now have one who not only sees what's going on in our lives, but who promises to take every bit of it and turn it for our good. So Jesus comes. Thirdly, what I think he offers in this invitation is restoration for our tattered soul. Jesus' invitation is to prioritize his presence and Therein to find a place of peace. He invites us to come away from all the things that drive our lives to a frantic pace. Other people's expectations. Our own demands of ourselves. Fear. Craving for people's approval, pursuit of money, success, and stuff. Maybe if we step back, if we take Jesus' invitation and we, we stop, we just stop running, we'll find that those things that we have often given ourselves to have taken little pieces of us until there's nothing left. On the inside. When Martha was overwhelmed and frustrated with her sister Mary for not helping when there was so much to do, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What is that one thing? Right? What is that one thing? Jesus, there's a key here that Jesus is offering us. That if we prioritize his presence, our Father promises to take care of the rest. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, do not worry. Now, most of us read that passage and you're like, oh, great. Another thing to worry about. Right? Now I got to watch everything I do. Am I, am I worrying? Oh, oh, am I worrying? Right? Like we're, we take it on as another burden, another thing that Jesus demands of us. 
But again, it's an invitation. That we're not to worry because when we learn to seek first His kingdom, when we learn to seek Him first, the things that we worry and stress about will find themselves in the right perspective and we will not be overwhelmed or overcome by them. But we will be able to live out of a place of peace. David wrote in Psalm 23 about how Yahweh was his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Literally, Yahweh is my shepherd. Right? And now David knew a thing or two about shepherds. He was a shepherd for half of his life before he became king. He knew something about shepherds. And he knew from personal experience how much attention he gave to the needs of the sheep in his care, that he would do whatever was needed for the sheep to be protected, provided for, and healthy. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus invites us to come to him because he knows how the sin and fear and stress and trials of this world ravage our soul. He is the one who can calm our fears. He is the one who can even turn our mourning into dancing. He is the one that can give us hope that will keep us going. He is the one who can enable us to be at peace even when the storm is raging all around us. Let's stand. I want to pray with you today. Folks, um, let's, just, let's just take off our pretty church face for a moment. Realize that every person in this room knows what I'm talking about today. Knows how hard life can be. Knows how the storm can beat on our lives. Knows that there are moments when we just don't know what else to do 
And we need to hear Jesus calling to us, come to me, I will give you rest. It's a promise. It's a promise. But, but with every promise, it's a condition. The condition here is simple. We just need to come to him. Right? If, if we keep trying to fix it, if we keep trying to hold our lives together in the midst of the windstorm, the crazies, Storm. We just came through Fiona. We got off a lot better than a lot of places did, didn't we? I don't know if you saw some of the video from Port of Basque and, and places like that. Wow. That's what our lives feel like sometimes. Can you imagine somebody on that shore of Port of Basque trying to hold their house from going into the, into the ocean? crazy, but that's what we do. I, I can hold this together. We're never going to find rest doing that. But when we come to Him, cast it on Him because He cares for you. When we come to Him, you will find rest. I will give you rest, He says. So, Father, today, some of us in this room need to, some of us need freedom from the stress and the strain of, that religion has put on us, that we've, we've tried so hard to be good enough for you to love us. sometimes we, we keep falling into thinking that that's what it's all about. Forgive us. We want to turn from our religion, our judgment of ourselves, and our judgment of others. And we want to come to you to find rest. And some of us in this room need to find rest from the storm that we're in right now. We thank you for your promise. We thank you that your solution of rest isn't another list of things we need to do, but it's you. And so today we choose to come to you. And by faith, step into that place of rest. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for unpacking that scripture for us today. How many of you feel like you just had a feast? Just, just thank you, Lord. I am going to leave you with the lyrics of that song again as you go this morning and be looking to the Lord this week for those moments of rest, those moments of surrender, those moments of trust. 
Pastor, I literally wrote down Psalm 23 on my notes to come up and say at the end when you just said, okay, let's look at Psalm 23. There's a passage in there where it says, or there's a line in there where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. <laughs> my challenge to you today is to allow the Lord to invite you, come to him freely, or guess what? <laughs> He may make you <laughs> somehow through some circumstance in your life. But he's a good God. And in those green pastures, you get to know him in a way you don't know him otherwise. All right, so as you go this week, I'm going to leave you with the lyrics of this song. Um, if you want to come and, and receive ministry this morning, uh, a number of our team are missing this morning, but uh, we can always pray together at the front here inviting the Lord into circumstances in your life. I'm going to praise before the breakthrough till my song becomes my triumph. I will sing because I trust you. I will bring my heart. I will lift my song. So as you go this week, choose to trust. Be looking for opportunities to trust the Lord. Be looking for opportunities to praise him and lift your life to him. Bless you as you go. Uh, remember Alpha tomorrow night. There is prayer here tonight at 6. And uh, Natalie going to lead us in a song as we go. Thank you. So